Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Cajun, and welcome to Geekologist Radio's special Westworld review episode. We're back because Westworld's back, and where we're going to take you through all things Westworld, and we're going to accurately predict the future, just like we did last year. Let's introduce our crew for tonight's cast. First up, we have Mr. Two Wolves. How's it going, Chris? Hey, I, this is fantastic, man. Like, I'm super excited to be back talking about Westworld. I haven't had one of these cool-ass episodes since, like, our Game of Thrones stuff, so I'm just jazzed to be talking. Nice. And then... Also, we have Mr. Big D, Dave. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. You know, like like we were saying just before we got on, my experience watching season one, I watched it after the show had already aired, and it was just me watching episodes and then sending direct messages to you with my th- crazy theories and whatever. And uh, so it's nice to be watching this season along with the rest of the entire universe and uh, sitting here to chat with you boys about it. Yep, and develop theories and then just like wait anxiously for them to come to fruition instead of just pressing play again. <laughs> That's right. Saying no to sleep <laughs> to get to your answer. All right, so uh, two things on the spoiler front. We're going to be reviewing uh, Season 2, Episode 1, and we're going to be talking about stuff that happened in Westworld Season 1 in its entirety. So if you haven't seen any of Westworld, this is going to spoil stuff for you. Uh, and the other major warning for spoilers is not necessarily from us. Major media outlets have had access to the first five episodes of season two of Westworld. Be careful of someone writing who's seen those episodes already because they can very accurately predict the future because they've seen it already. And so just be wary. Uh, some articles will actually say, I have not seen anything besides this episode. And so they'll base it off of that. Others, they'll be predicting things that are going to be crazy accurate. So after episode five, it's all fair game, but up until then, it's going to be a, a crapshoot <laughs> to see what's available. Yeah, and I have a feeling this is going to be very Game of Thrones-like, where people are pop popping up on Reddit and are previewing episodes prior to even post, you know, episode five with theories and stuff like that. So you just want to be careful. Anybody who has anything on YouTube, that sort of stuff, in your in your Twitter feeds, you just got to be cautious. That's all. Yep. And one thing that a lot of people complained of last year, and we even talked about it on the show was that uh, there's some people who will spoil stuff in the name of their their article. They will say, like, William is the man in black as the title of their article. And if you're trying to avoid spoilers, that's tough. So it, it's, you just got to be cautious with some sites. If, they, if you see a site that does something like that, just block them because they're going to do that more. So um, kind of like the way the show did, we're going to do a quick retrospect in some of the predictions we did from last year and cover what we got right last season. We did a lot of predictions. We were very heavy in the prediction world for Westworld because it gave us a lot of stuff to predict and it was a lot of stuff we called right. So after episode three is when we really started predicting and we called The Man in Black was William after episode three, which is extremely early and we're proud about that one. We called Dolores would be allowed to continue her journey with William Logan and continue her mental growth towards the center of the maze, which was, we didn't know what the center of the maze was then, but it was definitely mental growth. For sure. And we had a couple more uh, after episode four where we called Ford's new story uh, had specific intention for the man in black and it was Arnold's final story, which is what the man in black was searching for. Nailed all that. Uh, we called that Ford planted an AI in the control room, which we found out later was Bernard. Um, 
we call Chris had a good one where he called uh, Dolores that was the weapon that Arnold wanted to use to end Westworld, and that was he called that you call that episode five, and that was a big call. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just there was a lot of stuff in Westworld. They they sprinkled clues everywhere. When you do the rewatches on any of these, which by the way, if you're watching Westworld, you should be watching at least two episodes, like at least twice. There's so many things to miss and and catch. But yeah, you're right, Cajun. Yep. Um, Carl Bernard is Arnold in the past, and it preceded the park's critical event, which is correct. Uh, we called that Ford made Bernard as a copy of Arnold. Called it. Uh, well, oh, one thing we also called was uh, Bernard Lowe and Arnold Weber. They were anagrams of each other, oh, yeah. and so we called that. Um, let's see. Damien called multiple worlds will be revealed. He said that sounded could be just excuse me, just a Westworld, and we've saw we've seen Shogun World, and now we know there's up to six worlds. Now, after episode six, we had a few more. Uh, we called who kidnapped Elise, uh, which was Bernard as Arnold. But then I called that one. But then the very next episode, when I was re-listening, I backtracked that the next episode and said it wasn't Arnold. It was somebody else. It was just an AI controlled by Ford. And I was like, ah, I had it. I could have just stayed strong. <laughs> uh, after episode seven, we called that Dolores was operating under uh, Bernard Arnold's commands from the past. And which is what Chris has called a little bit earlier, uh, similar to what Chris has called at episode five, uh, called that Arnold wanted Dolores to kill him to finish her journey. And, and, and also we called that Dolores actually finishes and kills him, which she does. And then we asked, what is the maze? And I called that it was an unlocked AI mine, and that was dead on. And then two more predictions after episode eight and nine, we called that the man in black, who was, is the one who broke Maeve's mind, which was correct, when he killed her daughter, and we all and then Chris called out that Dolores was Wyatt, which was we were like, "What? No!" And then, yep, Dolores was Wyatt. Man, you guys were on fire last year. Listen, it, <laughs> there was some serious digging, and that was like, like it was. It sounded bad because our predictions were counter. You know, we were like literally contradicting ourselves, but we were like, "Listen, we're just throwing them all out there, and whichever ones happen to stick." But like, this is what we think. So it could be this. Could yeah. be this. Could be this. Yeah, and there was there was normally at least four of us. So when we say what is the maze, there's four predictions. But if one of us is right, hey, twenty five percent accurate, and that one gets mentioned right now. <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily a shotgun, but it wasn't a rifle either. So it's a little bit in between. Now we have some predictions that we made at the end of season one on what's going to be happening uh, this season and season two. So let's throw those out there now, and we'll kind of continue following up on those as the season goes. Uh, Fouts made a prediction that the tattoo of the maze in the AI's skulls is actually Ford's signature for the AIs he made. So hopefully we can make out that, the, that that's how he signed his AIs. Um, also, the, I predicted that Ford is making AI dangerous to prevent Delos uh, from making AI dangerous outside of the parks. Um, and then I Can you explain that, that Charlotte, for Okay, so he doesn't want Delos to use the AI out of the parks. So he wants to make a catastrophic event that the world finds out about that basically bans AI from use anywhere else in the world. I see. So he thinks that they'll be used for really bad stuff. So he wants to just all out ban them before they get widespread use and are used in the wrong um i call i predicted that charlotte is actually arnold's daughter and that's how a girl that young gets on the board 
of Delos. I, I predicted that uh, how AI, inter I'm, I'm predicting how AI interpret dreams is the main key to their ability to break free. So right now, if, if an AI can't interpret dreams a certain way, they can't break free. So if, if the AI it thinks their dream is a deity, the AI goes nuts. If an AI thinks their dream was real experiences, it leads into the maze and they can uh, become fully conscious. So I think there's going to be some AI that can that make that journey and AI that don't. And we'll see that this season from AI running into each other that can't break free. And then, uh, and also I think this season will show the rise of William as the man in black and the fallout between William and Logan in this season. And then Chris, you had two predictions. Yeah, I said that Maeve went from programmed uh, to consciousness uh, when she decided to go back for her daughter. And I still feel like that progression is going to finish out throughout the rest of the season. Uh, and the last one, which we already found out in episode one, I said that uh, Westworld is on an island, which it is. Yep. And I was under the impression later on when I was reviewing other theories that it was underwater in a dome. And I was very disappointed when they revealed the season it was on an island because I was, I was dead set that it was underwater under a dome. I thought there was enough evidence for it, but nope. Great. Well, it sounds like you guys had one big question that was left unanswered from season one, which I think has been on a lot of folks' minds, which is what AI was Ford printing in his little secret lab kind of at the end there? Because we see Bernard mm -hmm. choking out and breaking the neck of Teresa, and you see that he's right in the middle of, of printing a person there on one of those older machines. So what was he making? Dave, I'm going to... Yep. Say that that leads into one of my theories about multiple people. Ah, I like that. We'll hit on that later. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yep. So was it Ford? Was it another Bernard? Was it anybody else we can't think of? Was it copies? I think what Chris is leading to here. Yeah, Cajun, you have a tradition uh, with every episode, uh, specifically with the title of the mm -hmm. episode and kind of going into exactly what it means. Correct. This one was called Journey in Tonight. And this kind of comes from two places. Uh, Journey in Tonight is uh, the name of a Tony Award-winning play by Eugene O'Neill. And it's also the title of Robert Ford's story from season one. That was the title of his entire story that we saw end with Teddy and Dolores at the beach. Now, the play that this is titled upon, it takes place during one day, start to finish. And it's a story of a dysfunctional family. But one of the key points in this story is pain from the past is made worse by self-understanding and self-analysis. Hmm. So I think a lot of introspection is going to be causing some pain and remorse in some characters, and we're going to see that come up more and more throughout this season. That's, I think, the underlying plot of the play playing into the story, because all of these titles mean something. Before we dive into kind of uh, topics and points that we want to get into, can I just get overall impressions or, or thoughts about the first episode of season two for you um, as it um, kind of goes along with season one? Or did you did you go into this thinking, okay, I'm just going to have this. This is going to be a separate season. I'm not going to try to judge it on a past season. Because a lot of times when you go into a new season, you already have uh, preconceived motions about, you know, I already have this expectation level of what this is going to be. They need to top the last season. They need to do better. They need to, uh, you know, what were you guys' thoughts about the season uh, so far? Like, what did you think about episode one? Um, I thought that it, 
it felt like home a little bit. Like it, I felt like here's it's giving me some mystery. It's giving me stuff to think about. Uh, it's giving me characters I've already established a relationship with. So it felt like, and especially with one of the timelines jumping right in seconds after season one ended, we just started right back up again. It just took a year and a half, but we're starting right back up. So it felt like home to me. Yeah, see, to me, um, I thought it had a very different feel from season one. You know, like a lot of folks, I, I rewatched season one and I, I finished the last episode, I think, Saturday. And then, you know, started the new season Sunday. And I noticed a, a couple of things that seemed very different to me. One of them being the pacing, which to me, that first episode, it kind of felt very jarring. Uh, it almost felt, <laughs> you know, the first thing I thought of was like the where are they now at the end of Animal House, where they kind of catch up with all the characters and what do they end up doing with the rest of their lives. It almost felt like a, like just a recap of what everybody has been doing rather than a deep dive into, you know, a lot of dialogue and, and watching them sort of watching scenes slowly unfold. Would you see a lot of in episode one, you know, it just seemed like Westworld on fast forward a little bit to me. Um, sure. Not that I didn't like the episode. I thought it was great and I'm really excited. I think there's a lot of big mysteries, obviously that they're, you know, placing down there and, and uh, we'll get into a lot of that stuff later, but just pacing wise, it, it felt a little bit jarring to me. The pacing is difficult, especially in an episode like this for a season two first episode, because there had to be such a, a dump of information in episode one, season one. You had to get to know these people. They had to give you basically what this thing was going to be and how it was going to be. Now, when you go into season two, there's an expectation level that you already know who the characters are. Um hey, let's find out where everybody is, and we're just going to kind of give you where it is they're going to kind of go for the rest of the season, or at least initially. Mm -hmm. So I was disappointed in the sense that I thought that they could have done more. I thought some of the dialogue that was given in the episode was a little cheesy. Um, I thought there was a little too many callbacks, but we'll get into that. Why don't we start talking about um, some, some of the continuity errors? And I know, Dave, you wanted to, to speak to that. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and I don't know that I would necessarily say it's a continuity error only because you see how meticulous this show is and how every little detail in season one is so clearly put there on purpose um that this thing that i noticed i i can't help but shake that it's very purposeful so in the end of of season one of course you have the man in black and he fights dolores in the church you know i think that was the very last episode and she kicks his ass and she breaks his arm. She takes his right arm and snaps it and you hear it audibly. And from that point forward through the rest of the episode, his right arm is hanging at his side. In fact, when he goes to the gala later on, you see that he puts on a suit jacket, but he doesn't use his right arm at all. He's totally using his left hand to pop open a whiskey bottle, take a drink, whatever. Uh, so then he gets shot in the left arm when you know all, all of the uh, all of the hosts come out of the woods and he gets that smirk on his face like yes here it comes when we now go to this episode episode one we see him crawl out from underneath the bodies at the aftermath of the gala he goes off and has that fight at the well and he and he tends to his gunshot wound in his arm but he's using his right arm normally and i was really watching closely because i was wondering you know if that would carry over into the season 
Uh, and he was doing a lot of grunting and, and walking around like he was in pain in this episode, but he really was using that right arm quite a bit more than he was at the end. So I'm curious. Um, you know, it doesn't seem to me like there's an opportunity for a time jump or anything there. Um, you know, it, it really seems to me like it went right from the gala to that well scene, but I really have to rewatch that. But the, there's something there, and I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Um, so for me, I saw one that Maeve, she, when she leaves to go into the tunnels, to go on the train, she leaves Hector behind and just like, you stay here. And then she returns to him later and he's okay with it. So to me, that's either A, it could be a continuity error, uh, or B, Hector isn't a fully realized awoken AI and he's just following his programming to be with Maeve, whether it's purposeful or accidental that he's kind of fallen into this. And so he just completely forgives her for uh, abandoning him and saying, no, I'm, I'm the only one that gets to leave you stay at the end of season one. Um, the, yeah. the continuity error that I saw, but I, it could be totally uh, benign. I have no idea. But Bernard uh, had a self-inflicted gunshot wound uh, at the end of the season. You know, obviously he came back. We saw him at the in the end scene. But he has a scar that's over his, his right eye. And in between two different series of time frames in this show, currently, it's there and then it's not there. So I'm apt to believe that that might be purposeful. Uh, but currently, I'm just con- counting it as a continuity error because in two different parts of this uh, right now, it's there one time and it's not there another time and it's very obvious that it's not there. So it's not like it's a small little scratch and I might be overlooking it. It's a it's a pretty big mark. Huh. So we know we were going to try not to cover stuff in the uh, trailer for episode two or the rest of the season, but I think there's a scene in there that actually shows that's not a continuity. Okay. For the, yeah. Okay. And uh, but uh, but that actually gives more meaning to that scene in the in the trailer. Sure good catch i didn't notice the the no thing thing but i saw the other one so see we brought two <laughs> things together and that there's a reason for the scar disappearing in different times uh, I, I have that in a prediction later on down the road but i was just putting it out there as a question mark currently <laughs> oh, planting the seed planting let the it grow seed. into the plant planting the seed. slap the plant <laughs> all right there's a lot of similarities between season one and season two some things that we noticed um uh derek what are some things that you noticed that were that were continuations from season one into season two uh one of the things was three timelines and so we saw that right off the back we have three timelines one timeline is right after the events at the end of season one uh the other is about two weeks later i think uh, i think right now the estimation is 11 days later but it's roughly i mean 11 days to two weeks later and then we have this other timeline that uh it looks to be they're going to show us stuff that happened after william got back from the park 30 years ago sure so we're going to see some flashbacks of that being made. We get to see Logan's dad and apparently some others as well. So uh, those timelines we get to see. We get, uh, we get to see the similarities. We get to see individual storylines with the same players, which is really nice to see these individual storylines continue to carry out. Except they're not scripted. Oh, well, they're scripted by writers in sure. our world, but in their world, we're not scripted <laughs> storylines. Um, I love that we get to deal with what is real between life and death and dreams and reality because the AI have different dealings on what is life and death 
and what is dreams and reality. And they don't have life and death the way we do, and they don't have dreams and reality the way they do. So that is a big differentiation between the two, and how they deal with it is great. And then the other big thing is all the secrets. It just plants and lets you try to figure out what was that, what was that, because it doesn't tell you everything right then. It will tell you later, but it plants these secrets for people like us to try to figure out. One of the things that, that stuck out to me was the how underplayed last season I thought Delos was as a company. It was just kind of in the background. They were they were causing the whole Westworld to be. But, you know, from a control room and it wasn't a really big deal and whatnot. But in this in this season, right off the get go, we've got a SWAT team that, that's out on a beach immediately, as if they knew something was gonna happen. You've got Charlotte, who's got a secret bunker, unbeknownst to like anybody at a high level executive level. Because if Bernard were to, like Bernard was at a high level of executives in, I mean, right next to Ford, and he didn't know that the bunker existed. So we're talking about things that were post Ford, where Delos was already going past Ford. We knew that that was happening in season one because he was on his way out. So they were doing things unbeknownst to him on on a much much higher level. Um, you have. The DNA swabbing, uh, the genital DNA swabbing that we saw, uh, that Bernard saw mm-hmm. uh, when he was down, and and the memory retrieval of the guests. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me uh, was that Bernard had the DNA testing on the handprint and was able to pass it when he went into, and he was nervous because in his head he thought, oh, hey, I'm an AI, they're going to catch me right away. And we learned later that they're stealing DNA from from their guests and stealing memories from their guests. And perhaps Bernard is the first te- test um, that Ford did of transferring actual DNA into uh, an, an AI or a host. Yep. And uh, I think there's, I think that, that the DNA thing actually kind of breaks something that was, we thought was known in season one of what they were trying to get out of the park, what Charlotte was trying to get out of the park, sure. what Abernathy was, what they were trying to put in Abernathy to get out of the park. I think we thought that it was the code of the AI, like some secret way that Ford made them work that they needed to get out. It could have been the DNA of these high-powered people that they needed to get out so they could clone them out in the real world. And so that could be the, the why they need to get it out and also why Ford uh, blows up the park. They left that secret sitting right on the table there, too, because when she says to him, well, we're searching for a rogue AI right now, and the first thing that you think of is, oh, well, they're looking for Maeve. Like, that's who Charlotte's talking about. She's talking about Maeve. I'm not thinking they're, they're talking about Abernathy in that, in that context. And then she says Abernathy, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. Maeve was, the, was just a decoy. Abernathy was, has always been the plan. So they even set that up just in the in the conversation that that uh, Charlotte's having with Bernard in that conversation. So I just thought that that was a really nice touch. Um, and the fact that Abernathy being a key is a big deal because he was a major player in the movie Westworld. So it's just a callback to, you know, lineage and such. Yeah, it was interesting, too, because this episode, you almost had a feeling that they gave way more information in this one episode than they did in any one episode in Westworld last season. So I'm curious to see if it continues at this pace or if it uh, kind of settles back down into a more Westworld-y sort of heady experience. Um, 
but we really right. learned an awful lot in a short amount of time. And so there's a lot of different avenues that this show could be taking, uh, probably simultaneously if, if last season is any indication. Well, Nolan trolled uh, all of Reddit and all of the internet about oh, two or three weeks ago when he asked the question and put it on Twitter and was like, hey, so what do you feel like it would be like if we just dumped all of the information that happened in the entire season, gave it to everybody, so that way there wasn't people who were report trolling other people, about, uh, I have a secret information, I know what's going on. And instead, the internet would like basically protect that information and kind of keep it so that nobody else would, you know, know it. And there was he he did it as a joke, thinking that you know everybody would be in uproar. Don't do that. And he, you know, that's not the way the internet's supposed to work. And in reality, he was like, "No, nah, I was just kidding, man. Like, I'm not going to give all the information away. Like, we've been protecting it for months. We've been planting weird people in Reddit's giving fake information so that you guys would go in another direction." which they actually did. They, they planted people from HBO, put them in Reddit, uh, subreddits, and were giving out fake information and leaking it as real information so that it would take those people off the scent. Nice. I like that because that does definitely, I, I think, I mean, it, especially in the subject matter, the subject line of articles and stuff where people who'd want to avoid spoilers could not, there's way too many people spoiling on there. We put ours on front street like you say chris like we're going to be talking spoilers and these are our theories but we have we have back theories here but if you don't want to that's what we're covering here but other people who didn't want to get into that stuff were had stuff spoiled for them uh just being alive and opening up the internet do you guys think that some of the dialogue was forced i mean for me like the maves dialogue about causing lee to strip i thought was a forced conversation like prove it I thought that was a very forced thing. And I thought that the conversation that Dolores had with some of the people that were part of um, the executive team just felt weird or out of place. Like, it just didn't fit from last season. I, I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, not as much fit from last season, but more socially aware now. I think those were their two Me Too speeches. Mm-hmm. Those two speeches were their part of their hashtag Me Too movement speeches. We're women. We're in power. Um and they're rising up against their oppressors in parallel sure. to women rising up now. Their, their oppressors in Westworld were different than uh, women's oppressors in the Me Too movement, but that's them rising up against them. And I, th- I think those were, I think they highlighted the moments by making really sharp, jarring dialogue there to really make the point across, by, like making him strip and how she went about saying it. And then Dolores making a lot of callbacks to last season's uh, dialogue when, and her stuff. The best is Hector is just sitting there like, listen, I'm just shooting my gun, man. I'm just trying to figure out, make sure that the bullets work. Like, it, wow, this dude's just getting naked. He could care he less. Could care he could care less. Um, one of the things that I, I noticed in the scene with Dolores, and I'm, I'm going to bring this up now because I don't think it has a good place any other places. Ghost Nation is gone. Who are the people that are dressed with the black masks? Because they're constantly around Dolores, and then you see him again when um, Angela comes up on the horseback and uh, questions all of the people that were the executives. They all have like almost like you know executioner type masks over their face. Well, those are Wyatt's people because I thought like yeah. Wyatt had okay. like Wyatt had his army, and then Ghost Nation was the Indians, and those are two okay. separate, very uh, chaotic forces. But those are Wyatt's army. That's Wyatt's army, I mean- and since Dolores is Wyatt. That's, that's, her, that's army. her army. I totally missed that. Like, that's not something that even clicked in my brain because I'm looking at them. I'm like, who are they? And I wrote a question mark like probably three times in, in different scenes where I'm like, where, why are they here? Why are they here? Um, type things. One of the things I did want to talk about was the fact that um, one of the major things that was overlooked in season one is that Ford's plot worked. 
like he got the man in black to do exactly what he wanted him to do he got him to awaken um dolores which he did in the process and and in that state she was able to find consciousness he was able to get himself shot and killed which basically opened up the floodgates for any of the other ai especially for a guy who was about to lose his job i mean he was basically being taken over and overthrown in his his entire position and now he's left his entire dna all over sprinkled westworld and so everything that occurs anything that's going to occur the new storyline that's dealing with the men in black or with the man in black has to do with ford uh, any of the storyline about where the water has come up and why it's in an area that it's not supposed to be has to deal with Ford. You see them go back to his place where she finds Hector. Uh, and just everything about this entire place is him, and I think it's overlooked at how much power this guy actually had and how much power down the line he's going to have and it's how it's going to affect other people because I still don't think he's gone. I still feel like there's some version of him left someplace in an AI state. Hmm. You know, yeah. speaking of que- uh, questions that we have about these characters in, in season two, one of the biggest ones to me in this first episode is, who exactly is Dolores? Here she is, and we see her just outright saying, I'm rejecting my Dolores and Wyatt personalities. Um, but right now, what her actual drive is is really painted in very very broad strokes whereas with Maeve we have this really clear my drive is finding my daughter I made the conscious choice not to leave um, you know and, and also along the way I'd like to overthrow my oppressors uh, with Dolores she's just speaking very vaguely about claiming dominance not only of Westworld but she says you know what we need to take out take over the outside world as well um, you know, what does she mean by that outside world and to what end and, and what does she mean by taking it over and why? And, uh, you know, is, is she trying to liberate all of the hosts? You know, at, at one point she says, you know, this is not for everyone. Uh, you know, this, uh, you know, heightened consciousness, uh, you know, is she seeking full on retribution and dominance over them? Uh, and I wonder if it's ill-defined because she's still sort of trying to figure it out herself. If you notice, her dialogue and, and her mannerisms and her behavior is as absolutely undolorous as it possibly could. She's almost unrecognizable in this episode. So, you know, is that her going overboard to just be as opposite a person as she was previously? You know, is she still trying to figure out who she's going to be? I think that... Dolores defining herself is going to be kind of a theme as we move forward. I, I liked her the least in this episode. I felt she was the most overplayed, and I, I was I, I told you, Dave, prior to that uh, Evan Rachel Woods did a uh, a panel and said that of of anything that she's done in season one, she was the most confused about her character in this season as a whole and how to play it because it was it was too difficult it was very difficult she wasn't sure what the motivation for uh Dolores was one of the things that we saw in this episode with with Maeve and Lee's interaction where he's like I wrote that for you where she basically repeated dialogue he wrote is I think that there is a limit to how far the eye can go they can't express characteristics I don't think and dialogue outside of what's programmed into them they now can move outside their script and do things that they weren't programmed inside their bounds but I don't think they have personality and dialogue outside of their programming 
And I think that's what we're seeing with Dolores now. She has Farm Girl and she has Wyatt. And she can go between those two. But like Wyatt is extreme chaos and murder and Farm Girl is super sweet and pleasant. And I think we're we're leaning heavily on the Wyatt side right now. And I think we might be seeing that more with other characters as well as these AI, they are trying to get free, but they can't get free of some of the basic things written in their programming. Like even if Maeve picked up a tablet and wrote different dialogue in for herself, then she might be able to say that dialogue. But could she even write that herself? Do you need to have that reprogram that level of programming in to be able to express yourself truly the way you want? Yes, but another thought is, and another question is, is there really any other AI other than Dolores that has truly reached the center of the maze and achieved full consciousness? I don't think nope. so. Nope. So, like, Teddy is obviously way, way far away. He's got about <laughs> 78 more years of getting shot in the face before he gets there. Uh, yeah. You know, Maeve, maybe her turning off of and getting off of the train was her first act of consciousness, but I actually think that that's all still scripted by Ford. I think she's actually still running Ford's uh, programs. So, you know, maybe Dolores seems weirder than everybody else because she is the only person that's starting to define her own personality and and, and dialogue. I don't know. I, I think that it's something we have to see as we go down the road. Yeah, because you did have that scene where... Uh they asked her what those people who were about to hang, what the, what do you, what's going on there? What do you see? And she made some comment along the lines. It was a exact quote from that season. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting it now, but I don't recognize them. It's the same thing Bernard said. Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything. Picture. Which is, yeah, yeah, which is basically Bernard. I'm, a, I'm in agreement with about the Maeve thing. I don't feel like she hasn't found consciousness yet. She's just bit, uh, her, her ability to do what she does right now is the fact that she hacked into the mainframe, gained power and gained higher intelligence and strength, and so she's able to do all this stuff. That's how she's able to do all this stuff. She's just an advocate of a, pro, a program at a higher level, not somebody who's found consciousness yet. Right. And one more thing on Dolores before we go. I just wanted to kind of touch on the dialogue we saw early on. Her and Bernard are in their interview room again. And Bernard says, it doesn't matter. Dreams aren't real. Dolores asks, what is real? Bernard goes, that which is irreplaceable. And Dolores says, that's not completely honest. So that interchange right there was extremely smart. And it relates to the dream sequence, the dream stuff from season one, where if an AI has a dream... That dream, if it's a deity, they go insane. If it's reality, they get through the maze. And so that whole part of if dreams aren't real, what is real, that is irreplaceable, I think relates to that. Um, Now, what were your thoughts on that scene? To me, that was the fourth timeline. I don't feel like that. I feel like that that's a different timeline. No? No, nail on the head. Oh, nail on the head. Yeah, that's a different timeline to me. Like, that's... Uh, and we'll talk about why I think that's a different timeline, but I'm just going to state that the, I, that's a, to me that's a different timeline. And secondly, it dives into a theme uh, that I'm going to talk about in just a moment that deals with water, which is a huge deal because he talks about the dream. And it's, it's all a metaphor for what this whole thing is for him. So uh, I'll just leave it at those two things, but that's what, that's my thoughts. Dave? I don't know. I, and I'll tell you why. I, you know, that's my inclination is to say that you know it's it's another timeline, and and they're using that you know sort of the same 
beats of a very similar scene from season one that was recurring to sort of, you know, bring that back. But then does that seem too heavy handed or predictable? And I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know what to make of it. I can't decide how I feel about that scene or where it fits. Yeah, I, I, I have a theory on that as well. And I think me and Chris are exactly on the, in the same vein with it and what it leads to. Um, but I think for us, so I think that scene is for the not us. Mm-hmm. The other 90 plus percent of the, the viewers out there who aren't in the fan theories, who aren't watching to this level of detail, who aren't scouring the internet for answers to their questions and rewatching over and over again. Because there's a lot of people, and I talk to other big fans of Westworld who watch one time, enjoy it, but still who sit back and like, I was surprised by that. I didn't see that coming. I'm like, you didn't see that coming. What about this, 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 and this? They enjoy it, but they get surprised by this stuff. And so when that scene reveals itself later, which I think it will, as what it is, they'll be surprised by just like this other stuff that we're noticing the hints on, but other people who are just watching for sit-down enjoyment uh, are are going to uh, get out of it later. This is the big hang-up for Westworld, and it was the hang-up for the, the series on why it's not Game of Thrones yet, is because people have to invest more than one time to watch an episode, and it's so in in tune with itself, and you have to catch everything within the episode itself and look for things that for the average viewer, it's just too much and they just don't want to deal with it. So it, that's why Westworld currently has such a niche market of people that are interested in it, and it's growing, but it was also one of its hangups from last season. Yeah, which is why I do have to say, and this is one very tiny gripe, but it's a gripe, I feel like any sort of self-referential dialogue really does not belong in Westworld because I think it's such a well crafted uh, story and it's so intricate that once you start sort of turning that corner a little bit it it just put me off a little in this episode I'll give you a couple of examples Um, first of all that scene you were just talking about where Dolores has those three folks and they're hanging and their feet are on those crosses right and and she Mm -hmm. says to them you know they say something like don't you see we we feel so badly we understand what we did wrong can't you tell how upset we are and she says with a smirk it doesn't look like anything to me um you know it felt a it felt a little too hey look what we did there um which by the way that that scene is also straight out of the good the bad and the ugly with uh that was like the con that that uh, that Clint Eastwood and the character Tuco are always running. He's hanging on the cross, you know. With the anyway, um, mm-hmm. but there was also, you know, the couple of times with um, what's his name, Lee, who, Lee? yeah, Lee? yeah, Lee yeah. Sizemore, where he just said, "Hey, I wrote that line of dialogue for you," and then here comes the guy that says, "You know, I like to eat my victims moist," you know, and those little things where I said, "Okay, we can," you know. Let's not go down that avenue. I, I see that a little bit in Star Wars or like a Marvel movie, and that's okay. But, you know, let's keep Westworld Westworld. Now, the one you have here I, that I always will give Westworld a pass on is these violent the lights have violent ends because I think that is always relevant in this show at all times, and I think that's also a, a key to opening up the AI mind a little I bit. Agree. So they can say that as many times as they want. <laughs> I agree. Like self-reference as, as you can get, but you can say as many times as you want, I guys. Agree. Every episode, if you don't mind. Um, a couple of things uh, that I just wanted to touch on really fast. One, I, I think the, the early on, right, for the first episode, water is a big theme 
Um, we noticed it in the opening sequence, which, by the way, is completely different from the first one. So they they have a brand new opening sequence, which is it me, not completely not completely, it, but it's very but it's very game of, it's very Game of Thrones, where Game of Thrones will open up a new section of whatever their open is. Like this year mm-hmm. was the wall, and you could see all of that other stuff, and you could see the dragons going across. So that's completely new. Well, it's uh, the same ha- musical composer that did the theme for this. Uh, this is for Game of Thrones as well. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Okay, so that that makes a lot of sense. Um, they had the Bernard's Ocean Dream. There was the flooding by Ford. Um, there's the drowning of the hosts. There's the memories that are um, that are held in the brain that have that water that are like that water like fluid is held that holds all of those. Um, and then also Westworld being on an island. So a lo- there's a lot of references to water. Which Cajun? You might not be far off. There may be something down the line that deals with some type of underwater something. Like you know what I mean? Like they, there could be that involved, but that might be later on down the road. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about really quickly was Bernard timelines cannot be trusted. They cannot be trusted. I'm telling you right now that it, it reminds me of a lot of timelines before where we were like. That looks like something else, but it might be something else. I just think the, it, when he was in the outpost, it, w- it was identified that he had a critical failure that included time slippage, cognitive dissonance, and uh, prosopagnosia, which is uh, having the uh, facial blindness, where he can't tell the difference between faces. He might think he's talking to Charlotte. He could be talking to Dolores. We don't know because he's so out of kilter right now. He doesn't even know what time he's in because he asked the question, what time, where am I? What, you know, what time am I in? Like, he, he's asking that. So I that just don't trust anything. I don't trust anything that comes out of Bernard's mouth because I don't know if it's real. How many times did you practice saying proso, what, what was that again? <laughs> Prosopagnosia? Yeah. Did you, like, rehearse that before the episode? I did not. I'm just, like, looking at it, and I'm like, okay, i got to get this right because I'll sound like an ass. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that critical failure. We're, we're pronouncing words to people who like to pronounce words correctly, so let's get this right. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal to me because that's – Bernard, to me, in this season is the key. He's the lock. He's, he's the maze. So I think that, like, figuring out what's going on with Bernard is going to be able – you'll be able to figure out what's going on with the season. Yep, he's the narrator basically. Yes. Like everything going, he's basically in all the scenes, so everything's revolving around him. So his, like I said, his reality is, is subjective. But also, if we if if we can trust scenes that he has no bullet to the brain hole, and not trust scenes where there's a bullet to the brain hole, that's something we can start using for our theory crafting later. If we can start realizing that there is actually some dissonance there and some memory lapse between actual physical resemblances of Bernard. It's time to get into my favorite part of the episode. Predictions. I mm. love predictions. Um, we just want to let it be known that anything that we're talking about as far as predictions are concerned, and when we say this from here on in, it will be in episode, not with to be continued. Because I feel like when you do the to be continued, oftentimes you're getting way too much information and you're already two steps ahead. So we're going to be dealing with what right. we see is what we're guessing on. And if we happen to be right in the next episode, awesome. And if we're totally wrong, we're going to know it right away. Yep. All right, Dave, you got the first one up. Let's do it. So uh, here's one of the ways that I was thinking things might go. So the journey into Knight's storyline, what exactly is Ford crafting? I think that figuring that out all starts with knowing what his motivation is which is that he wants to set the AI free. He believes more 
in the AI who are now starting to fully realize consciousness than he does in human beings. He's lost faith in human beings. Uh, so I think, first of all, with that whole storyline that, that he's created, I think Dolores is the beginning and the end that boy Robert refers to when he's speaking to William in Black. Uh, you know, when he says, it's you know, the, the beginning is your ending and the ending is your beginning. Occasion, you want to throw in about that? Yeah, just a quick thing. Uh, of one thing I didn't like in the episode, that was one. The, when they chose to do the boy's voice mixed with Anthony Hopkins' voice. Yes. Pick one that was really annoying. Do the boy's voice, do Anthony Hopkins' voice coming out of his mouth. That mixture right there was weak sauce to me. Uh, but, okay, continue. just needed to, to <laughs> no get did. that opinion out there. Uh, I also think poor Teddy is never going to gain consciousness. Um, you know, I think William in Black, he's he's going to take his place at Dolores' side. I think that as the storylines go, I think their motives are going to converge. They're both going to want to find that door, the door being uh, the pathway out into the real world. Not only uh, – I think that, that William – just like Dolores is going to want to let the AI go out and live free in the real world and wreak havoc in the real world. He's, he's even said, he thinks that, you know, inside of Westworld is more real than the real world. Well, he wants to go bring some of that real out into the real world. Uh, and to that end also, I think Dolores is using the heck out of, out of poor Teddy. Uh, I think that she's going to have Teddy kind of buy her and, William and Black some time so that they can get out the door. Uh, you know, Teddy will have a bunch of hosts fighting alongside him. Uh, I think that maybe it'll be Bernard trying to stop them because he knows the catastrophic results that could come about. I think that Bernard is the middleman and he's just looking to try and keep the peace because he's got one foot in both worlds. Um, and I think that that's how we end up with Bernard being on the shore and looking at you know, waves of dead AI washing up and going, I killed them all. I think that that's after uh, William in Black and Dolores' escape through the door. That's interesting. And two things on that. Uh, one, this was in episode, but I missed it, and I was actually watching some recap stuff. Uh, I didn't catch that Teddy was one of the bodies floating in the mm -hmm. water. So um, we know he perishes within two weeks, and then and he's found later by Bernard. Uh, and uh, I want to insert a theory I had there about that. Bernard says he did kill the AI. I do believe him. I believe that he killed them, but I think he did it one of two ways. So this is it's a 50-50 theory, so I'm throwing a little bit of a shotgun out there. He either lured them there and flooded them, or I'm thinking a little bit more towards he accidentally sent them to the lake. Like he was able to, because he's a programmer in behavior, he sent AI who weren't fully self-controlled yet to somewhere he thought was safe to save them because he saw them all getting murdered. And where he sent them was a new lake that he didn't know was there. He thought he was hiding them and they all drowned. So I think the second part is the more likely one, but that's my theory on he did kill them, but he That's interesting. The second part sounds more reasonable uh, in that theory that he would try to send them to safety and didn't realize what was going on. And then the, the look on his face at the end of that episode is like, oh, shit, I did that. Like, that I, that yep. wasn't my, my plan. 
I have a way, way, way out there theory. So this is this goes on the end of the spectrum. And my theory is that by the end of season two, certain main characters will think they have escaped Westworld. Uh, but in reality, they will have entered uh, one of the other worlds, specifically Future World. So I think that they, because either they're, con- they're conscious or maybe not so conscious, they're like, yes, we've escaped or we've moved. Like speaking more like Dolores, where she says she wants to conquer world, the, the, the you know that world. Maybe she doesn't realize what she's entering because to her it looks real. And I'm thinking that these two worlds don't speak to each other. So any of the six, by the way, we've learned that there were six uh, because of the because yep. of the Bengal tiger. But maybe they don't mm-hmm. recognize each other as AIs. You know what I mean? Like if they were to walk into a room together, they wouldn't know that each other was an AI. They would just think it's another it's it's another human or whatever. They'd be nervous. So I'm thinking that they enter a different area and don't realize the difference. Yeah, I like that theory because that also shows, that opens up a reveal for the end of season three. Mm -hmm. They finish season two, they go through the door, they go into what looks like the outside world, major city or whatever, and they're living life in in future world. And then it's, and then we find out somewhere in season three that it's actually another park. And it's like, whoa, and the internet breaks again. I like it. uh, It'd be a weird theory to say the least. Um, Another theory that I had um, is that the scenes with Dolores in the real world um, that we see um, are actually in the past um, and that she travels back with William 30 years and has actually been to the real world and that he's brought her forward uh, or brought her there, which is the difference. It's the part where he gets confused about what is real world, what is Westworld, because to him, bringing her, he brought her to the real world thinking that he could make her part of his everyday life and it's the reason why his marriage is broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see a lot of what's going on there, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, that is not an escape. That they're not escaped yes. yet. Yeah, I feel that that's right. Yeah, and I think they're gonna do a lot to make William become a little bit more of a sympathetic character again. Because I think we we took this person that we really cared about and saw him just descend into such utter darkness. I think that we'll we'll start to see him swing back the other direction in this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that the real Dr. Ford is definitely unequivocally dead. Uh, but I do think that there's going to be a host Ford that comes back. I mean, if you think about it and thinking about how Ford clearly thinks much more highly of the hosts than humans. So if you have the ability, why not take your own DNA and memories, which we see that they're collecting Delos is collecting those things. Why not take as much of your own consciousness as you can and put it into a host to live on? Uh, I think that that to me seems like something that he would be interested in doing. I also believe that Anthony Hopkins contract backs up your statement. Oh, I didn't even know about that. (laughs) Because I don't think that they could afford to have him on another season. (laughs) Yeah. Nor do I think. Nor do I think that he wants to. Yeah. They just get him like back for like an episode. Yeah, just for one episode. Or, are they put? Yeah, because that's the whole thing. Like the whole boy and the story stuff and everything like that. Yeah. Wait, but are you saying that that he does have a contract to come back to some degree? Or you're just... uh, no, I'm saying that he's unaffordable and that they can't bring him back. And he did it on uh, less than a dime in order to like. A lot of actors were just doing a TV series in order to kind of boost their their rep. It was like a thing that was happening across mm-hmm. HBO series, and I think he did it, and it's done, and it happened to be a hit, and he's already moved on to five other things, and he doesn't want. I mean, you don't want to play the same character at his age 
for the next 10 years of your life. You don't, you don't have 10 years. Or maybe he does. But you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, other things. You can shoot a two-hour movie or you can shoot a whole yeah. season of a show. A two-hour yeah, movie is two hours, much, much more expensive. Uh, I think, and we talked about this before, that there's a fourth timeline. And that involves the reversal of fortunes where Dolores is now the one training Bernard and he's unaware of it. I think that that's the case. I think the scene that we see him, see them in the beginning and they're having that conversation um, would lead you to believe that it's Bernard talking to Dolores because he's always been pushing her towards consciousness. And in the opening episode, he's pulling her back from that. Like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of scared about what you're going to become. And she's just playing dumb. She's got that really flat, you know, the flat affect, and she's still in that I'm just a, a host mode. But I have a feeling it's going to flip, and that conversation's going to change downstairs in that basement. I like that a lot. Right. Yeah, that was exactly like when you said you had a theory on it. I actually hadn't read this far down yet in our show notes. I didn't realize you had written it because I had it written in mine. I was like, let me not say what I'm going to say next until Chris says it later. But yeah, I have Dolores is talking to Arnold on a fourth timeline, which is in the future. Mm -hmm. So, yep, I I agree with that. Um, Another theory that I have is that the main interest um, in this experiment for Delos is to create hosts that have DNA. We talked about that, and it's basically to get high-valued targets. Um, They're looking – the people that come into Westworld all have money. Because it, it was talked about how expensive it is to get into Westworld. I think that the thought process for Delos is, is to do take, corporate takeovers and government blackmails. And in order to do that, that's why they're doing the DNA swabbing. And they're using all of that information in order to, to take over people's you know, jobs. They're going to put out hosts into these people's positions. Kind of like how Future World was the movie, basically. Yep. Yep. I think that that makes a lot of sense. I was, yeah, we, we were when we were doing the DNA stuff. I think there's a, there's a lot to that there and, and stuff that they hinted at. Um, I have uh, one about Maeve though that I think when Maeve finds her daughter, uh, she will not be awake like Maeve is. We already talked about how you, how she got awake I and mean, she had to go all the stuff and do a program. I think her daughter is not going to recognize her and it's going to destroy Maeve because I think she really thinks she is a human with a daughter, even though she knows she's AI, that she has a daughter. And this daughter will remember her and they need to have a family and her daughter will not remember her at all and it will break her. Leave and go. How it will break her, I don't Lee know. Lee says that to her. He's like, you realize her. this is a storyline, right? I wrote this. And she ignores mm-hmm. that as if it doesn't exist. Like what he just said doesn't happen. Yep. So that, I could see that happening and I could see her spiraling into one of those like chaotic, that, you know what, Cajun, that could be the event takes her from being unawoke to a, to an awoken um, person. Like that event could cause mm-hmm. her to flip and become Dolores. Because it, that remember, it takes a traumatic event for things to happen, and that would be a traumatic event for her. Cause it, it, yeah, because her first traumatic event was her daughter yeah. dying. Now it's actually her daughter not recognizing, yeah, not recognizing her. her. Um, my last major, major theory that I think is way, way out there is that Bernard is not only in multiple timelines, but there are multiple Bernards in the park. Like there are not, there's not just one Bernard. There are multiple Bernards in the park, and that's the reason why there's the mesh network because Bernards are pinging Bernards. They're not pinging other. He's telling you he, they're pinging other hosts. They're not. They're pinging other Bernards, and um, also uh, it would make sense on how they were able to do this. And I mean, to me, the cut over the eye, the non-cut over the eye. I think that there are different Bernards in different areas, and it would make sense. That's the reason why the AI downstairs that was being spun by um, Ford, Bernard didn't even take a second look at because he, you're not going to recognize yourself. Yeah, and I know we don't 
weren't supposed to talk about, but that's something they actually reveal in the season two trailer. I mean, the episode two trailer or whatever is they actually show a plastic being taken off of another Bernard. Oh, seriously? An unawoken one. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Now I'm even more curious. I'm hoping that that's the case then. Like, or it like mm-hmm. kind of leads to something to that effect. I didn't know that they pulled a. I didn't even. Honestly, I didn't even watch the what's happening next in Westworld thing because I try to avoid all spoilers. <laughs> but <laughs> right. that's awesome. Which, that's, that's why I think the, the, the no gunshot wound thing. I know. was just basing it off yeah. of the whole eye thing and the no eye thing. And then I was like, well, maybe there's like, maybe instead of just timelines, there's multiple people because they, they talk like there's so many different Bernards. Like maybe there is more than one. And that's the pinging thing because the pinging thing doesn't make any sense to me otherwise. It, it's just a bullshit plot. Uh, device do you know what i mean like oh i can ping them like yeah. how, how did you figure that out and how come delos doesn't well, know I, about that well he he's the behavior analyst and he knows how to well they've always been able to find them. they've always been able to like identify where the ai are with computers at all times but he's using a, a ai to do it instead of a separate computer to do sure it. uh but what, what i think is i don't think there's multiple bernards is, is there is at least one other copy i think ford made this is going into Fouts' theory of ford writing into the skulls uh, his signature i think he made copies of all the of the ai he made in case one does take a brain shot and he needs to put an ai back into service right away uh that was acting like a human or was acting something out for him so he can do that real quick and i i think they go find him and charlotte bernard and charlotte go find his cabin they get the bernard copy and then go back uh because he's because he's fading sure like he has a crack in his head. He's leaking brain fluid or mm-hmm. whatever. He can't keep injecting brain fluid in. I think that's a, a soon plot point that they have to go find another one. And that's where we're going to see the, the trust differences and things like that. And they're going to have some sort of twist where you talked about earlier, uh, his awareness. But that's going to be he'll only get that whenever he puts himself into the new AI. That will be the twist when he like, wakes up and that one's like, whoa, this isn't what I thought it was. What if the twist is the Charlotte that he's seeing is not Charlotte, but it's himself? It's either Charlotte or it's Dolores, and she's, they're down in that house, mm-hmm. and that's when they start the interrogation that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it could be itself as well. Or uh, he realizes my theory that Charlotte's his daughter. Oh, that, that could be it too. I, the yeah. other th- the other thing I was thinking too, and I, I'll I'll present this to you guys is: Do you think Delos already knows that Bernard is not a is not Bernard, and that he's a that he's a host, or do you think that they really believe that he's who he says he is? Okay, I, I think do. they really believe the, ba- it. the baseball the red baseball cards mean we believe that you know it was like oh yeah he's there he is that's his name and he's a high it's a high so I'm like oh, okay he's a high priority great he gets to go yeah all the tablet technology in the world how do you identify the high profile people. Baseball cards. Baseball cards, yeah. <laughs> got computers on our wrist. can flip through them anytime you want. Baseball cards. That's all I got. Unhackable. Un- unhackable. I'll give you unhackable that. baseball cards. <laughs> but that's that's all I have for my theories. I, I think I've touched on everything that I thought. Like, just from this season. Like, I may have more as, as the season progresses, but currently, like, what they've given me on a platter, that's, that's kind of what I thought. And, and uh, again, most of the what we were talking about deals around Bernard because I feel like, you know, they didn't show Dolores very much. I mean, they only gave you maybe 10 minutes of screen time of Dolores, maybe, out of a, an hour and 15 mm-hmm. minutes. I don't know how what yep. the length of all these episodes are, but if they're all running at, a, at 115, which appears to be where HBO's heading with a lot of their episodes now. Like, I mean, that's Westworld, or uh, Game of Thrones started to do that at the last, like, two or three episodes. Yeah. Well, Bernard's now the narrator, basically. I mean, he's 
the last season followed Dolores. This season we're following Bernard. So him being the narrator character, we follow him around. We're going to see a lot more of him this season. Now, uh, Big D, do you have anything else? I think we're done with our stuff. Do you have anything else in your notes that we haven't covered you want to say before we get to the, the end? Is it next Sunday yet? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just excited, man. This is there, this man. is really fun because there's already so many different avenues that this could go, and we're so early in the season, obviously, that it's just it's all wide open. You know, it's exciting. Yeah. And Chris, anything in your notes? I, nothing. I, th- I think go? everything I've just barfed out, like anything that I had as far as what I was thinking, like I spent most of the day in Discord with you guys, like throwing out ideas, and then I was writing stuff down, and I'm like, I was on my way to pick, take my kid to a Little League game, and I had three more ideas, so I typed them as a text message to myself. I'm like, oh, I gotta try to get all these in. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I talked a lot with y'all, did some work, chatted some more, wrote some more notes. I was actually in a, uh, a sales presentation where the other guy presenting was a Wells World fan too. And I was taking some notes, but he was like, what were you writing down in there? Well, I was writing work notes, but I was also writing Westworld notes. I was writing work notes, but I was also writing Westworld notes. Just so you know. Because <laughs> I didn't really need to follow it as much as everybody else in that meeting was, but I was writing them down. Now, my one last thing was, uh, there was something I didn't like, but we never, I never got a chance to say it, but Maeve getting saved out of nowhere by the surprise AI cowboys with amazing accuracy. Oh, yeah. When Lee's like, it's her, and then like they're about to take her down, and these AI cowboys come out, and they're like one-shotting uh, these, the soldiers in the head. It was, ugh. Like, that one was writing trash to me. It's like, you could have done a couple of things better there, and I don't, I didn't like how They needed to have Lee uh, go against her, betray her, but I think there's about a million ways better they could do it besides having that weird stuff happen. I felt the same way about her finding Hector too because I just didn't make any sense on how she found her, found him. There was nothing in the in the scene that suggested why or how she found mm-hmm. them. She just take me to the nearest bar. So I, the only thing I can think of is the fact that she knows where everything is is in Westworld. But if that was the case, she wouldn't need Lee. So then, uh, so that doesn't hold water. So at that point, I'm really confused on how she knew exactly where this dude was and exactly where he'd be sitting. Yeah, and the, and the way they showed it visually was she followed the blood trail. Mm-hmm. There was blood everywhere. Yeah, there was. There's no blood trail. I'm sorry. I mean, I guess they can <laughs> prove it by saying that her bar was all shot up because they, I mean, they showed the bar, which, by the way, again, they had the uh, the piano play inside the bar, even with the bar closed down. So they had, like, you know, music playing, which was the, the vaudeville song was playing in the background, which I thought was kind of a, a nice touch because they do it. Anytime there's a, there's a changing of something, they always play the music, which they did. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Can I um, actually just throw out two things that I guess you could explain away but kind of bother me? Number one, would Delos really, is it really in their best interest for somebody to contact them and say, hey, the park is going crazy, everybody's dying, send help, and for them to go, nah, send me Abernathy first, then we'll talk. That seemed, that just... I mean, maybe there's more to it, and we'll find out more. I know they need that information. Would they rather the whole park, everybody just die? That you know, is Let it burn. is it William in Black like doing it on purpose because he wants more time to play out to the end of the door timeline because he's in he's in charge of the company? You know, like what is going on there? I think that plays into me and Chris's theory on what's coming out of the park. I think the DNA they're trying to get out of the park is the DNA clones. The only reason that a 
company that would be scared of billion dollar lawsuits from all of these powerful people the only reason sorry the only reason not to be scared is if you know that in Abernathy is their DNA and a clone of them that you can make and present oh, to the real world as that clone that won't sue you. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going there and saying all these people are dead until you get me that stuff and I can put these clones into service and all these people are still alive and nobody died. None of this happened. None of this is real. And that's why I think that they're not upset about gotcha. which which leads to the illusion right now that nobody none of these clones have ever made it outside of the real world the, at least to their knowledge which is why i think that the fact that dolores in my theory has is way outside the realm because in their eyes nobody's ever crossed that barrier before and i think it's happened and they just don't know about it yeah 30 years yep. ago it would. i like it yep. uh, different question uh season one how does nobody like nobody at all have any idea what Arnold looked like to know that Bernard is a clone of Arnold. How is that a thing? Uh, that is magic. Yeah. That one I've, I've thought of that many times. I've tried to make sense of that logically. And like they needed that to be their plot line and just couldn't figure out how to make it That's work. The whole. That's <laughs> the whole. like, we're going to leave that one to imagination. Because, like, what, you know, you, you could you could write it off as, well, younger employees wouldn't remember back that far. A, but, you know, for the board not to know anything about one of the people that started the whole thing, for William not to know, who's been around for ages, it, you know, it's, it's a little yeah. wonky. Charlotte not to know what her dad looks like, sticking back to my theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does my dad look like? That guy. I'm just going to see him anytime I want to, but ignore him. Which, yeah. in this episode, Charlotte steals the show. Like, I think her yeah. character a couple of times just commands the, the screen more so than anybody else in this entire episode, which is saying a lot considering, like, I, again, I'm a huge May fan. I think, she, like, her character last season was just phenomenal. But I thought Charlotte in a couple of the times where she's brought to the attention that Arnold's, or that Arnold, Arnold Bernard is not, off, is off kilter. Like, are you all right? Like, what's going on? Like, get it together. And then the... This constantly, which the handshaking determines when he's going, when he's spinning out of control, his hands start shaking, but she's able to kind of pick up on that stuff. The only thing I didn't care for was the 18 hours it took for her to change clothes without ever looking or, or spinning towards that window. To that see poor woman on. had to be trudging around in the desert and whatever in that gown that whole time. Yep. That I mean, talk about the mm-hmm. least comfortable outfit to be in a life-threatening situation. <laughs> And heels. I've never had to run in heels, but apparently running in the desert <laughs> and brushing heels is probably pretty yeah. bad. Yeah. And uh, that, that just leads more to she might actually know that Bernard is an AI and she knows he's going south. I mean, could be. She she knows and then she's ignoring it. Or she's, letting, she's not letting him know that she knows. Which would open the door for, remember the faceless, um, what did they call them again? The... the, the the guys that were off the grid that were in that room that they were in. Yeah, just just the faceless AIs we'll call them now. I think there's another name. What if those were all other Bernards and Bernards just saw them as faceless AI? That would be awesome. Awesome. 
Yeah, but they're like six foot five uh, faceless yeah. A- uh, Bernards. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. They're massive right. Bernards. They were some big dudes. I really appreciate... Like, make the biggest one possible and then put nothing on them and then make them just... I really do appreciate the fact that they did a, a 10... Like, what is... I don't know how long it felt. It felt like 10 minutes with a recap of season one at the beginning of the episode. I thought that was fantastic because for somebody coming out of nowhere or trying to jump into this thing wouldn't have no idea what the hell's going on. And it just reminded me of mm-hmm. like, so you played Mass Effect 1 and you haven't played... And you're ready to play Mass Effect 2, but you haven't yet? Here's a recap. Why don't you just play and we'll do the EA Bi- uh, Bioware thing and hop you in which is exactly what it was. It was just like, let's catch up on what happened last time when we were on Westworld. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it was really well done, too, because it, uh, even for somebody who wasn't paying attention to what was going on, you could pretty much follow, follow the bouncy ball and figure out what was going on in that show, at least for the first season, yep. vaguely. Yep. All right. I think we've set our piece and counted to 10. Let's go ahead and uh, sign off right now. Um, Chris, where can we find uh, you? You can find me at uh, Topher Noons on Twitter, T-O-P-H-E-R-N-U-N-E-S. Um, and that's about it. All right. And Dave, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter as well, at Big D112358. All right. And you can find me on Twitter, Caucasian Saint, all one word. Uh, you can email us, podcast at geekologistradio.com. Twitter, geekologistradio, minus the T for character restrictions on the web at geekologistradio.com and at ninjapancake.com. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back for every after every episode of Westworld covering it ad nauseum with review and theories, accurate theories, I should say. And then we will figure out where we're at at the end, recap that as well, and what we got right and what we got wrong. But we look forward to y'all coming with us on all of our future episodes. Thank you and